0: Thank you for tuning in to The Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's
1: show, you can It's Thursday at 11 a.m. And you're listening to The Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or Beat. Let's get into the action. Good morning and welcome into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me, as always, Greg Splenkenberg. and the seat adjacent to me is Alex Houston. And I apologize to our regular listeners who caught that I accidentally clicked the outro. But after missing last week due to some illness, I am a little rusty, I guess you could say. But never, never uh, nevertheless, excited to be back in here. Wish it were under a slightly better um, game from the night before, but I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about that in length right now.
0: It's funny to think that in the now year, me and Daniel, this has been also this is the this is the year anniversary we've been doing the Eagles Nest together. Oh yeah, Daniel. it is. So that's great. So in the year and a half that Daniel's been doing the show, the year I've been along here for the ride, we've never had to do this. Daniel, talk about an Auburn Tigers home men's basketball loss. No. And that, unfortunately, came last night in the hands of Buzz Williams and the Texas A&M Aggies. Final score, 79-63 in favor of the Aggies. Auburn loses its 28-game home winning streak, which was longest in the country for one game. So we had that at least. But uh, leading score in this game was, of course, it was um, Henry Radford, or sorry, Terry Radford, who or Ty- Tyrese Radford, sorry, with 30 points in that game. So that means there was back-to-back games for the Tigers, giving up 30 points. They gave up 30 points to G.G. Jackson of South Carolina as well. That's got to be some kind of a record where Auburn's given up 30 more points back-to-back games.
2: Yes, that's a word for it. I mean, first of all, thank you guys for having me on the show. So excited to be here. Always a pleasure. Um, I was thinking about it, and just after witnessing that game last night, I had— to get on the airwaves to say something. I can't wait till next Tuesday's Compact Discourse, especially because I'm going to be talking about gymnastics on that point, obviously. I mean, you talked about it, never, never having to talk about that on the Eagles Nest. I, up until last night, had never witnessed Auburn lose in that arena as a student. So that's pretty fun. Love making history. Really, really incredible stuff here. At the end of the day, I think it's the fact that they just played poorly. Which, of course, Bruce Pearl last night said, we didn't play bad, A&M just played better, which is fundamentally not true. But I guess we can save that for another day. Who knows? But the fact is, I think they just did not, I mean, the jungle was there. I did not expect to see that many people in line for an 8 p.m. Wednesday tip-off, but there was. And after that 10-2 to, 10 to 2 start, everybody's ready to tear the arena down. And then they gave up a 43-20 to 20 run in the first half and then also just got... They lost by sixteen to Texas A and M.
0: Which credit to Buzz Williams? That was the, that was one of the best. We were talking about it before the show. That's one of the best timeouts probably this year in college
2: He basketball. he's he, they, they, somebody posted another video of a timeout he made a few. I think it was last year where, um, a, a three point shooter that he did not like was going to get the ball and was going to shoot it, and he called a timeout before AM shooter could take the shot, and the guy of course ended up missing it. So I mean, yeah, it's a great timeout, but Buzz Williams is not him, ladies and gentlemen. He's not he's not John Wooden, but for some reason every time he plays Auburn. This man looks like the next great coach in the history of college basketball. Mind you, he's never done anything of value at Texas A&M outside of beat Auburn a bunch of times. So it seems like it's just, so it's, this guy's not him. Hey, don't
0: discount that final that NIT final four run.
2: I mean, I'm just like I'm just saying like the the guy's his resume does not if you just looked at his Auburn games, you'd think he was the most dominant coach in the history of the conference. But instead,
1: I'm, I'm just tired of the man. Like, okay, my first ever Auburn basketball game, he ruins it. Okay, the SEC tournament last year ruins it. Tonight or last night ruins it. The only game he didn't ruin
0: was when we were on the way to Winston Salem. Yes, and we were not there. And, and that's maybe the, that's the key. I think that's the only the um. I think the last six games at Auburn, uh, now Neville Arena, A and M is five and six, and that was the one game where Auburn won, which is last year's Outlift game where we had College Game Day.
2: Yep that that is that is the one. Yeah, I mean he he, he ended their win streak. At the end of my freshman year, in Auburn's last home game, I didn't even go to it, and they, they lost badly to that team, too. Obviously, the SC tournament, I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. And I think what frustrates me more than anything else is the lack of awareness from anybody involved about what the problem is. I'm writing some up on it today about what the problem is. The problem is, that it's the same problem. I've been watching this team for four years, and they've had the exact same problems on offense over and over again. The issue isn't that Buzz Williams is the greatest defensive coach in the history of college basketball. The issue is, when you run four plays against a team that's bigger than you, what's going to happen? If you if you rely on a pick and roll to draw a double team to your 5'11 point guard, and they send two of their bigger players towards them, you might be in trouble. Practice double teams all you want. If the guy is 6'4 versus 5'11, he's probably going to win the matchup. On defense, at least.
1: And Coach Mike Bergmaster is one of the best when it comes to prep. But that just last night they looked lost out there. So I don't know if it's like a game planning thing or what's going on right now or just the fact that they can't shoot the ball. Um, They let – well, Tyrese
0: Radford played 37 minutes. And reminder, college basketball game is a 40-minute game. He played all but three minutes in that game. He went 8-for-17, 3-for-7 from three-point line. But here's how they won that game. He went 11-of-12 from the free-throw line. He got to the line. a and went 15-of-18 uh, from the free-throw line in the second half, where they only made nine baskets in the second half.
2: That's true. That was enough to hold on, basically, because the offense fell apart for them in the second half, but Auburn was committing fouls that just you shouldn't. And, again, I think the fact is, you know, I hate to say it, guys. Daniel, you asked the question, is it game planning? No, it's not game planning because their game plan is the same thing. Every single week, they have been in the bottom, they've been outside, I think, the top 200 and three point percentage the last four years. It's not that they can't shoot now, they've not been able to shoot for four years, but they're still running an offense like they can. They're running an offense like it's Jared Harper and Bryce Brown creating shots, but it's not. It's Wendell Green and Katie Johnson. You have to figure out a way to get your playmakers the ball in creative fashion. Leo Bourbon might be the only good three-point shooter left on the team at this point. Find a way to give him the ball. If Steve Kerr can drop a scheme for Steph Curry, you would think Auburn could drop a scheme for their less talented players, but we don't see that.
0: Here's another thing that kind of shocks me where Jalen Williams, who arguably he's probably been the best player for Auburn this year, he goes three of five last night. From He only took five shots. Yeah. He has eight points. When one, The best player, I'd say, throughout your entire season – has takes five shots in a game 99 out of 100 times you're not winning that game
2: that's That's, yeah that'll about do it I mean seriously and he's been great he's been one of the keys to their victories these last few weeks but now I mean and Jani Broom is just not as aggressive as he needs to be I mean I cannot tell you how many times last night he got the ball in the paint pump faked it three times and then threw the ball out to a pass turned it over or just bricked it off the backboard And every single time, Bruce Pearl would look at him and say, you have to go up with it the first time you get the ball. That's like what they teach you. I don't even play basketball. My friends learned that in like sixth grade, CYO basketball. When you get the ball into the basket, you have to go up.
1: Yeah, I just don't really know kind of how you move forward because, I mean, Saturday you have a very, very tough road contest against the West Virginia Mountaineers, a team that is coached by none other than Bob Huggins, who knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah, fourth
0: all-time NCAA wins.
1: Huggins is the most
2: experienced coach. I mean, he's one of the most experienced coaches left in college basketball today. West Virginia is not very good this year, but they beat TCU badly. And Huggins is a defensive master. His offense has fallen well behind, admittedly, and that's why West Virginia is not as good as they've been in years prior. But their defense is masterful, and he – I mean, he basically – I'm pretty sure he presses the whole game, which which is one of his great calling cards – and again, it's in Morgantown at 11 a.m. It's it's about as bad as an 11 a.m. kickoff in the SEC.
1: Yeah, I would agree. So,
0: yeah, he's I think yes, he's the I think act most winning coach actively in the NCAA. I'm pretty sure
2: he's been coaching for a hundred years, so that tra- that tracks. He's been I mean, he's been around. I mean, he he you know even as even as Western, virginia has been terrible. He's basically an icon. Oh there. wait, no, sorry, Jim Bayheim's Yeah, do you forget Boeheim's still coaching? He's, we all do.
0: He's got he's only two wins away from a thousand.
2: Really, crazy think Boeheim? About. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean he's been coaching since the sixties. Yeah, but Bob like. Huggins, he's four
0: wins away from tying Calhoun. York,
2: ah. So. Wow. That's exciting.
1: Well, hopefully he doesn't move closer Saturday, but I've I'm scared he might be.
2: I love the hug of bear, but I certainly hope that doesn't happen either. I'll say this, lastly, um, Dan, you make a great point. Where do you move forward from here? And that that's the great problem because it seems like you should have figured out what this team's deficiencies were in the offseason. You know, like so. Everybody loves the, oh my gosh, our roster is so deep, who are we going to play? Which is kind of what Bruce was angling the whole offseason. He's like, "Uh, Chance could play four positions. Actually, Chance can't play any positions. Mm. Johan Trejo is bordering on unplayable. He didn't play last night, did he? No. He didn't play a minute last night. I mean, figure it out. Like The problem with this team is that you keep expecting guys that are just not... I mean, there's not an NBA talent on this team that is just going to take the ball and win you a game that often. And, uh, in years prior, you've had Jabari. Jabari was going to just going to hit shots that he shouldn't make. He, just, he was just going to do it. Even my freshman year, Isaac Okoro, like, ridiculous. He he kind of was nobody, and then he just hit a bunch of step-back threes one game. We were like, okay, what the heck's going on? And then, of course, Samir Daddy was pretty good in the clutch. They don't have that this year because they, they're even smaller than years prior. And they're missing something also. Katie Johnson's getting 18 minutes. He's
0: the team's sixth man this year. He's got he had five points last night in 18 minutes with three fouls and three turnovers.
1: And not for lack of trying either.
2: I mean, it's just it's like people tweeted last night. If you're gonna yell at Katie after every possession, maybe he shouldn't be on the floor. Like he provides a certain energy on defense, yeah, but figure it out. If you can't get to the paint and you need three point shooting, put in Treyor. Like I don't he's been bad most of the year, but Last week, la- the game against South Carolina was the best game of the year for him by far, KD just jo- completely.
0: Yeah. K Johnson is uh, one year at Georgia, 13.5 points a game in 16 games. He started 31 games for Auburn last year, played 34, 12.3. This year he's played 19 games, hasn't started a single
2: one, and he's averaging 7.8 points a game. It's just it's a, it's a mess. And it's also, again, the fact that the offense is not that complicated, and when you figure it out, When you figure out that all they're doing is backdoor cuts and a pick-and-roll with Janai Broom. And again, talk about realizing the team's deficiencies. When is somebody going to realize that Janai Broom panics every time there's a double team? I'm just saying, I think Janai Broom has been really good for the team the whole year. He's excellent on defense, and he gives them a nice inside presence. But when people send two defenders at him, it tends to end in a turnover. Yeah. Yeah. So, figure that out. And
0: besides from the offense thing, he had a good game. Kind of last, he had seven blocks.
2: Yeah, but offensively, the offensively, yeah, six of fourteen. You can't, you can't be six of fourteen when you're a big man in college basketball. It's you cannot cra- shoot under fifty percent.
0: And it's crazy to think, like yeah, he was getting, he had yeah sixteen points. He was tied with the Auburn's leading score with seven blocks too, and he still had those problems. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And it, then Dylan Cardwell, I,
2: the Dylan experience is the biggest roller coaster in Auburn right now.
0: I mean. I know we got to go to break, a second, but seven minutes, zero points, three turnovers, two fouls, and two blocks.
2: The problem with Dylan is he plays with such high energy, and it tends to lead to him just making unnecessary fouls, unnecessary moves. It just—it was a mess last night. And again, the fact of the matter is how much of this last stretch by Auburn was because they played bad teams that weren't equipped to treat their poor offense. Because that's—that's what happened last year. The only reason, I mean, they ran into a buzzsaw at AM and and then they beat, met another good defensive coach. All you need is a good defensive coach, and the offense collapses. Yeah. That's why they lost in the second round, mm. and that's why they're probably going to lose in the tournament this year because once you get a certain point, guys figure it out.
0: Mm. But, you know, good point. Yeah, that's going to do it for our talk on the Auburn uh, Texas A&M game. We didn't, we'll talk a little bit more about the West Virginia one in the next segment if we have the time. But thank you, Alex, again for coming on. I think you might stick around for another minute or
2: two. I mean, if you, if you all have me, I figured I haven't ta- I haven't had a sports show in a long time. I figured I could, I could flex my muscles a bit. Yes. When we come back, we'll be talking more about college
0: basketball. But don't go anywhere. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle ninety one point one FM.
1: And welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle ninety one point one FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg and Alex Houston. In the last segment, we spent 15 minutes talking about what went wrong last night, and we kind of tried to brainstorm some ways we can fix it on Saturday. But now we're going to move into the rest of college basketball as a whole. And it's not an amazing weekend compared to what the last couple have been, but there are definitely some diamonds in the rough here. I'm really looking forward to Georgia State at App State at 5.30 p.m. tonight on ESPN+. Plus. You can get into this one for twenty five dollars up in Boone, North Carolina, if you're so inclined. What my, do you guys think about
0: that? My guy, my guy, Donovan Gregory for App State. He's playing pretty well for them this year, actually. Oh yeah. He's been doing pretty good. Yeah, he's. I think he starts. I'm pretty sure he does. He's one of, Yeah, he does.
2: He's I gotta le- say, the Sun Belt is a mess. Hey, he's a leading outside of that.
0: He's a leading point scorer, assist man, and steals man. How? Whoa. I'll sing his praises a little bit.
2: That's impressive. Yeah,
0: he's probably the best player I've seen come through my high school just pure athleticism wise crazy. No sweet. But how how much you say to get into that one, Daniel? No, uh, 25. 25. Wow, App State's come a long way with that, man.
2: Well, it's an 11 and 10 App State and a 9 and 11 Georgia State. They
0: do they do not like Georgia State. I will say that's the team that like when App State will always like post their graphics, Well I see my friends retweet them they'd be like most home wins in the last 5 years. It's like Bama, Oklahoma, Clemson, um Georgia and then App State thrown in there. But really? I'm like Interesting. My guys, you guys are playing Troy. No offense to Troy, but Yeah. But still Georgia State's the team that's always like beat them when they hit. Like, maybe we have a chance to get that group of six spot in the champ in the in the New Year six. That makes yeah, jo- never, Georgia, Georgia State is a pest. Never been that way.
1: I'm trying to think of other games that like this week. Or I'm just f- going to go through top 25 matchups. Um, tomorrow night at 9 p.m., the number 25 New Mexico Lobos host Air Force. I didn't know New Mexico was good at basketball.
0: Yeah, they've had a pretty good season, I think. A lot, there's a lot of under the under the rare teams. You know, I've sung Charleston's praises this year, Daniel. There's mm-hmm. FAU this year. There's New Mexico. Yeah, there's just a lot of just kind of the under the radar type of things you're just talking about.
2: Yeah, and I mean they're they're 18 and three, and one of their losses was last Monday, this past Monday, a double overtime thriller against Nevada. Then UNLV, a tough loss there, and then I mean they haven't all the games have been pretty close, and they're kind of cook in the Mount West that they're fourth right now because they've lost conference games, which is, of course, not ideal for them. Hold up. Let him cook.
1: Then moving into mm-hmm. Saturday, the number 7 Virginia Cavaliers host Boston College at 11 a.m. This one is on the ACC Network. You can get into this one for $58 up at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia. Um,
0: you, Daniel, we need to have a segment one time talking about the – have you ever watched the ACC Network in an extended period? No. You need to sometime like, just pick a random game and just see the commercials that are on there. It is... We could do a whole study on that.
1: Oh, is it just BK over and over again?
0: No, it's not BK. It's just like... It's like oh. You know, like, that one voice guy who does all of those on-TV ads? Yeah. It's just that... Just a bunch of random products, whether you want, like, a laser pointer or a new set of pans. <laughs> it's actually quite impressive. It's When I first started watching the SEC Network when I came here last year, it was like... I'm like, they actually have, like, real ads on their regional network. I'm like, what is this? Uh... But I diverge. Diverge? I don't know. That sounded smart. (laughs) (laughs) I digress. (laughs) (laughs) Digress. Hey, you're the one.
1: Hey. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, moving on. um, Talk about about the barn burner in
0: South Bend, too.
1: All right. So, also at Saturday morning at 11 a.m., the Louisville Cardinals, who are terrible, (laughs) go up to South Bend to play the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. You can get into this one for $14 at the Pure Cell Pavilion. And beautiful – Sunny, warm South Bend, Indiana, and right. Notre
2: Dame is also terrible. This is this is basically right. going to be one of the worst games right, Daniel, in this, recent memory.
0: Without looking at it, can you tell me one of Louisville's two wins? They were back to back, and they both were non-conference, and uh, one of them Auburn played in football.
2: Ooh, okay, Western
1: Kentucky.
0: That's one. Um, you can name this other one. I'll give you a hint. They're a yeah. Jordan Brand school. Okay, and they have play. They played in a week zero game this past year in college football. And they actually play pretty well against the – These are pretty impressive hints. And, and the, Playing against a now Heisman contender for next year. They're playing this team.
1: Oh, gosh. Okay, Jordan Brand played week zero. Okay, it's not Nebraska. They're Adidas. It's not Northwestern. They're Nike. Um, I'll give you another hint. Yeah. Oh, this one
0: will give it away. It's an HBCU.
1: Oh, gosh. Oh, man, it's going to make me look bad on the air.
0: <laughs> um, I can just tell if you why. It's kind of yeah. hard. It's FAMU.
1: Okay, I wouldn't have gotten that.
0: They played North Carolina last year, but yeah, some back- of the
2: the best color scheme in all of college sports. It is pretty you. cool.
0: But back to back wins, and then they just had they lost. I didn't even know they've just been so bad. I didn't even realize this. they lost a Lipscomb.
2: Yeah, it's what's happening in Louisville is kind of like comparable to a natural disaster. It's it's, it's sad. un it's unparalleled failure. Like even as I said, Notre Dame is bad this year. Notre Dame's nine twelve. They're not. They're not two and eighteen. They're not. Ho- I mean, they're bad, but they're not horrid, and it's also Notre Dame where you have a bunch of issues and co- recruiting disadvantages in your very tough ACC. Yeah, Louisville is Louisville, respectfully, of course.
0: Yeah, I've never really liked Louisville either, but they've always just been that... Even, even since they came the ACC, they've always been that like, basketball strong force. Even when they had fired... Um, I forgot who their last coach was. They were still like... Patino? Not Patino. Was, oh, um, the guy after the him. ball uh, guy after It was Chris Mack? Yes. Right? He was doing decent, not up to their standards, and now, like, Kenny Payne's a Louisville legend, so... What do you do? Exactly. It's kind of like that same scenario I thought North Carolina was in with um, Hubert Davis last year before they went on the March run. I'm like, he has got another like year and a half.
2: It's kind of the, the situation Auburn almost got themselves in. Who wants to fire Cadillac? Who wants to fire Kenny Payne? Does anybody? I mean, it's it's. but you're also terrible. But is it going to get any better even if you get rid of him? That's a question to be had. Hmm.
1: So this one has New England buzzing. UMass Lowell taking on New Hampshire Saturday at 12 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Eastern on ESPN3. I
2: thought you said you were on the top 25, bro. Where'd you go? Um, we're having oh, to fill some time. Yeah,
1: I got gotcha. you. Uh, you can get into this one for $17 at the beautiful Lundholm Gymnasium in Durham, New Hampshire. I've been to Durham, North Carolina, but never Durham, New Hampshire before. I'm sure that's a very uh, interesting place they got going
2: on there. Yeah, I'm sure. With uh, Let me look up the population of Durham, New Hampshire real quick.
1: Well, while you're doing that... Um, UMBC, a team that yes. uh, a lot of basketball fans know well, they go on the road to play Vermont in the Patrick Gymnasium in Burlington, Vermont, home mm. of none other than United States Senator Bernie Sanders. You can get into <laughs> this one for $23. <laughs> How do you know these, like, random things? I don't know. I read a lot.
2: I know. I know, I mean, yeah, I know Vermont. Oh, by the way, so Durham, uh, New Hampshire, population 16,000. It's currently 33 degrees there. Jeez. Mm. It'd be a four-hour and 52-minute flight from Columbus. Want to do it? Yeah, why not? Heck, it'll be awesome.
1: Okay. Nice All right, we here got. we go. The unfortunately number two ranked Alabama Crimson <laughs> Tide will take on the Oklahoma Sooners up in Norman at Lloyd Noble Center. You can get in this one for $16 if you feel so inclined, or you can watch it on the main ESPN channel at 1 p.m. Central Time.
0: Do you think Auburn – I think Auburn fans are the biggest – not you, but I think Auburn fans are really big Purdue fans right around right now.
1: yeah. I'm okay with Purdue,
2: I guess. I'd ra- I'd rather Auburn or Alabama be number one if Auburn has a chance to beat them respectfully. The rank, the number, the ranking doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it but, doesn't. But then again, if if it's
0: anything like last night.
2: Well, did you did you guys see that uh, they have Charles Barkley in the new Alabama hype video? Really? Uh, oh yeah, yep. him, him saying uh, Alabama's say the best team in the country. That's part of their hype video now. Oh. So I'm yeah, I'm not. I also think disagree with him. That. Now's my time to get on my soapbox and say that the hashtag blue collar basketball might be the single dumbest thing anybody has ever come up with. Yeah, that I Like, I don't understand what that means. I don't either. What? What is? Also, especially considering the fact that if the idea could be evoked that it's like old style basketball, Bama shoots so many threes that that's not even comparable. So, is it because they play defense? Like every other team in college basketball? Anyway. I thought,
0: I thought their main downfall was their defense.
2: Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't really pay attention.
0: Yeah, but they're good, man. They, uh, yeah, it's, they're... they It's not great. It's not like last year where everyone thought they went on some games this year. Like, okay, what if it's like last year's Bama?
2: They're uh, good. No, they are good. They're good. But also, I mean, we've seen like last night, they got some weaknesses there, but they still managed to take down Mississippi State, winning by three points, even though Brandon Miller was... Only 13 points on nine shots. They still got the win behind a big free-throw shooting advantage. 22 free-throw attempts to Mississippi State's 12. Hmm. Always seems to be a big discrepancy in Coleman Coliseum. I wonder why.
1: Yeah, I wonder that as well.
2: As all jokes aside, of course. The uh, the aircraft hangar has has some special powers, obviously.
0: I'm looking back at who you got for last week,
2: and you were cleaning me up, Daniel. It is oh, dear. It's not
1: good. Oh, not again. Hmm. Don't let the boy get hot. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> So the number twenty-one <laughs> Florida Atlantic Owls host the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers at three p.m. at FAU Arena in Boca Raton, Florida. You can get into this one for a whopping fifty dollars, and it's not on TV anywhere. So you've got to go see it in person. Not on TV. Nope.
2: Man, FAU's nineteen and one. Sure are. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Their Same. only loss is Ole Miss. Same oh, thing okay, with maybe. Charleston.
0: I tried to watch it. it was Charleston versus uh uh UNC Wilmington for the longest win streak in college basketball. It was on like some random like like high school like prep yep. gotta watch this West. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me.
2: Yeah, that's 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 the one the one downfall of college basketball is that during the regular season, if it's not the main conferences, your chance of finding it is like even Charleston's game that's gonna be this Saturday is not on TV and I'd rather watch them than most of the teams in the top twenty five.
1: So moving on to the second best rivalry in the state of Alabama, the Troy Trojans head down to the Mitchell Center in Mobile to take on the South Alabama Jaguars at three PM you can get into this one for $9 at the Mitchell Center. And if you're in the Mobile area and if you feel so inclined, I would highly recommend it as this one's going to be good. No, it's not. Oh,
2: uh, You could you could honestly probably get into the Mitchell Center for free because they don't have enough security around that place. I'm just saying. Mm. Nah, nah, all jokes aside on that front, um, South Alabama's terrible. I, I have had the the privilege of watching them win one of their games this year, and then they just keep on losing. So we really thought the guy they hired was like, you know, the next, the next great, great coach to carry because you know Cliff Ellis actually coached at South Alabama, former Auburn uh, basketball coach. I want to say yes, um, but yeah, that that game will be something to say the least. They've been try- they have been trying to give away free walk ons that they sell at the student section. Oh, that's and awesome! Th- the student section is still in like got like twenty people.
0: You want to know something funny? The Coyotes You talk about you know this Daniel. Oh, we can talk about that for NHL about the Coyotes. I saw something last night that was funny.
1: Okay. <laughs> um... Another one I want to highlight here, the Indiana Hoosiers host the Ohio State Buckeyes. Ooh. This one's at 7 p.m. on Fox. I will definitely be watching as the boys continue to try to get right. And we got got the battle of the orange. Oh, yeah. Number 10, Texas. Number 4, Tennessee at the TBA up in Knoxville. 44 bucks for entry or watch on ESPN. Who is the real UT? We were about to find out. Uh, Neither. (laughs) Tulsa.
2: Oh. Hmm.
0: Outside the box thinking, we zig Daniel Zags. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> and then this one's interesting Uh, the, right before we go to break. Kansas-Kentucky at home. Kentucky destroyed them last year at Allen Fieldhouse. Can Kentucky kind of sh- show some semblance to this and kind of show that, okay, those couple games were just weird and random. Can we Are they back into it? I don't think they stand a chance.
1: I don't either. Can-
2: they- Kansas is not great right now. They're losing three straight. But I wish
0: they had the college basketball like lines on ESPN. They only had the matchup predictor, which has Kentucky winning this one with sixty five point six really? percent. Yeah, Kansas is on a three game losing streak right now. They, but it's they- all been three good teams, you know. <clears throat> and they almost lost Iowa State sixty two sixty.
2: Well, Iowa State's pretty good, aren't they? Okay, right? I mean they're they're fifteen and four. Like it's not like it's not like they're South Carolina, a team that Kentucky did in fact lose to at home, that is true. mind you. Like like. Yeah, sure, but they've had four straight ranked teams, and they've gone one in three, which is not ideal. No. But I'd still bet more on Kansas because they have more of an actual identity of what they want to do, where it seems like Calipari's figuring it out every other game, and it's always something different. Like, sometimes they, they shoot so many threes. Other times they have no shooting presence. It doesn't really make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that is going to be all the time we have for college basketball today, but never fear, the NBA's up next. And we will be right back. Stay with us through the break. And welcome back into the Eagles' Nest here in Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke, joined alongside by Greg Blankenberg. Alex Houston had to hit the road. Unfortunately, but it's okay because we have NBA talk coming up now.
0: NBA. Let's start off as we always do with NBA and HO going through the standings. Let's start off in the Eastern Conference as we always do in first place. Too much to my co host's joy and happiness is the number one seed Boston Celtics with a record of thirty five and fourteen. They are in the top of the Eastern Conference and they have right now they're tied for the best record in the act eh, they played two more games than Nuggets, so yeah. I think it's kind of even right, what they are right now. But yes, right now they have a better winning percentage. So the Boston Celtics, best team in the NBA record wise. Let's go. It's just the success just that you get in your sports team sometimes just makes me really sad that <laughs> I see my team at the bottom.
1: Yeah, it's definitely been a good year for winter sports so far, but you know it, it'll shake itself out eventually.
0: I keep telling myself that for me. And number the number two seed is the Philadelphia 76ers, who are three games behind the Boston Celtics, and close behind them are the Milwaukee Bucks in third, three and a half behind them. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets, even without Kevin Durant, are five games back of the Celtics in fourth. Cavaliers are in fifth with sixth. And rounding out the automatic playoff teams are the Miami Heat, eight games behind the Celtics. So, Pretty some pretty familiar faces up near the top of the Eastern Conference, I'd say. Not anything like yeah. the Western Conference. No. Um, seventh place in one game back of the automatic play uh, of the automatic playoff spots in the play-in are the New York Knicks with nine games back.
1: The Celtics have them tonight, actually. Mm.
0: Uh, eighth place are the Atlanta Hawks with ten games behind the Celtics. Pacers are in ninth, eleven and a half back, and the Chicago Bulls are a twelve back of the Celtics. And then there are the Wizards, the Raptors, the Magic, the Hornets, and in dead last in the Eastern Conference are the Detroit Pistons.
1: And it really be tough down at the bottom of the East.
0: It do be tough at the bottom of the East almost every year, even though I still feel like the Hornets are going to decide to just, you know what, let's go and like, let's win 15 of 20 games and get, like, the 10th or 11th seed in the East and then just ruin our draft chances once again. Yeah. <sighs> It's it's just misery. Moving on to the Western Conference, speaking of misery with some of these teams, first place is the Denver Nuggets right now, 34-15. and 15. They have been the best team in the Western Conference almost all season, followed closely by the Memphis Grizzlies, who are two and a half games back of the Denver Nuggets.
1: Yeah, neither of the top two are a surprise, but the next three are really – Three is very, very Three
0: Yes, three is very surprising. We've been talking about them all year, but that is the number three seed, Sacramento Kings, who are six games back of the Nuggets, 27-20 and they They're in the third seed in the Western Conference. I don't think we had this in our NBA preview. No, d- definitely not. Yeah, with uh, Sabonis kind of leading the way from them, they've really kind of had a resurgence this year too. I don't even remember the last time they were this good. I can't even put, pinpoint that.
1: I have no clue.
0: Uh, fourth seed are the New Orleans Pelicans, eight games behind the Nuggets, 26-23. and 23. Zion, when he's playing like Zion, I mean, that's a good team.
1: Yeah, um, it is. But I don't know. I really hope they can sustain this, but they've like been slipping a little bit over the last couple weeks. So hopefully they can kind of get things right because I'm enjoying this kind of New Orleans run, and I hope it you know results in a deep playoff run and maybe a championship in the future. Hopefully not this year, knock on wood. But, I don't know, I just don't really, it's kind of weird watching them play because everything runs through Zion. And I just having an NBA team that just runs through one guy, just very, I don't know, I'm always very skeptical of those, mm. especially when it's a young team.
0: Uh, and the fifth seed are the L.A. Clippers, eight and a half back of the Western Conference. Is Kawhi Leonard playing? I don't know.
1: I don't know. That's a name I haven't heard in a minute.
0: It just seems like he plays one year, does really great, and then just is out the entire next year, every single time. Um, sixth place are the Dallas Mavericks, nine games back. It's kind of crazy. I feel like they've been talked about a lot this year, even with Luka's success, and still right around that sixth spot. And then also nine games back, tied for six, but in seventh seed right now are the Phoenix Suns, who are nine games back. They just got back Chris Paul, so I'm interested to see how much that's going to change things.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um Maybe they'll, maybe that'll make enough difference to get like up to the like four or five spot. But I don't think they'll make enough to get them all the way up to the top.
0: I think the goal for them and these teams below that is just get into that automatic. They don't have to play those extra games and then face the best of the top two. Where yeah, I, I don't, agree. I wouldn't want to be the team that plays the Nuggets or the Grizzlies in the first round.
1: Yeah, me neither. Um, even as a Celtics fan, I don't want that.
0: Uh, eighth place are the Minnesota Timberwolves, nine and a half games back of the Nuggets. Ninth are the Golden State Warriors who. With Steph Curry back now, they they won a game last night against the Grizzlies in a very close buzzer, basically last-second shot from Jordan Poole without Curry, so that will probably go a long way for them. And in 10th place are the Utah Jazz, 25 and 26. And then it goes Thunder, Trailblazers, who are still really a shock, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Spurs, and then dead last in the National Basketball Association are the Houston Rockets.
1: Yeah, just I hate that for our boy Jabari Smith, mm. but
0: Houston's struggling. Hey, that just means more playing time in the future. True. And then the Jazz. How about the Jazz? They tried to. They gave away their two franchise pieces, and they're still. They're still fighting for something.
1: Yeah, they are, and our boy Walker Kessler is going off.
0: He is. I think he's up to – I don't know what's that ladder thing. This is just a, who they think. I right think now. so.
1: That's the way I interpret it.
0: Yeah, that's why I don't. NBA stuff's weird sometimes, but you got the stats pulled up if you want to run through those, Mister Sure. Lott.
1: So offensive leaders, points per game, Luka Doncic. Um. Uh, In first with 33.8, followed closely by Joel Embiid, 33.4. My hero, Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics, up next in third with 31. Tied for third is Giannis Antetokounmpo with 31. And then in fifth is Shai Gilkis-Alexander with 30.8. Moving on to assist, Tyrese Halliburton of the Indiana Pacers leads the league in 10.2 per game. Trey Young and Luka, and Nikola Jokic of the Atlanta Hawks and Denver Nuggets, respectfully, are tied for second with 9.9. Then you have Luka Doncic in fourth um, of the Mavs with 8.6. Then John Morant rounds out the top five with 8.0. Then going to defensive leaders, Domantas De Sabonis of the Sacramento Kings leads the league with 12.4 per game. Giannis Atitokounmpo, 12.6. Um, Second place with 12, Rudy Gobert of the Minnesota Timberwolves up next with 11.6, followed very closely by Steven Adams of the Grizzlies with 11.5, and Nikola Vucevic of the Chicago Bulls rounds it out at 11.1. At blocks, I've been very excited to talk about this, Griggs. Nick Claxton leads the league of, mm. of the Brooklyn Nets leads the league and one with 2.7. Brooke Lopez of the Milwaukee Bucks has 2.5. Miles Turner of the Indiana Pacers, 2.4. Number four, formerly an Auburn Tiger, now a member of the Utah Jazz, Walker Kessler, 1.9 a game. Then Mitchell Robinson, 1.8 per game of the New York Knicks. Then if you want to look at Steeles, O.G. Anunoby of the Toronto Raptors, Leeds League with 2.1 per game. Followed very closely by De'Anthony Melton of the 76ers with 1.9, Gary Trent Jr. of the Raptor with 1.8, Tyrese Halliburton of the Pacers with 1.8, and Anthony Edwards of the Timberwolves with
0: 1.7. I think on that defense, on the offensive side, we kind of expect those same names really oh, like, yeah. on these lists. But on that defensive leaders list, it's just a an interesting mix of characters, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Like, especially, like, the main one I'm thinking of is Demonte Sabonis, Sacramento, 12.4 rebounds a game, leading the NBA. That is Above Giannis and Rudy Gobert, that's crazy to see that. And then, yeah, our guy Walker Kessler, 1.9 blocks a game. He was at two when we were doing the show last week, so he's dropped a little bit there. But I think he's the only rookie I'm seeing on this list right now, unless one of these guys who are in the steals category is a rookie that I'm just missing.
1: I don't think any of them are, unless I'm just wrong. But... Kind of looking at tonight's, in this weekend's action, at 6.30 on TNT, you can catch the New York Knicks at Boston Celtics. I'm very excited for that one. The Detroit Pistons take on the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think that'll be much of a game. Mm -hmm. The Chicago Bulls take on your Charlotte Hornets. What are you thinking?
0: I'm getting this one for $12, and that might be $8 too much. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I feel like... They're at the point right now where they're trying to shop some of the pieces. Basically, everyone, I feel like, but LaMelo is on the trading block. I mean, mainly Terror is here is the one that comes to mind. I feel like if they want to go for the just kind of just wrap it up, just tank, or just get a better draft pick, I feel like now, before before the All-Star Games, is the time to do it, where you can trade your players who are playing decent for the highest price, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I just want them to commit what they want to do right now because if you can't just be straddling that line too much, where you can't all you can't improve ever improve going with the ninth pick every single year. No.
1: Cleveland at Houston tonight. Um, I imagine Cleveland will win that comfortably. Dallas at Phoenix, 9 p.m. Central on TNT. I would definitely watch this one if you're in the mood for some NBA basketball. It's for the battle for the to get into the uh, sixth seed. Oh yeah. And then rounding out tonight's NBA action, the San Antonio Spurs take on the Los Angeles Clippers out west. That one tips off at 930 Central. How
0: much longer do you think Greg Popovich is going to go for?
1: I've been saying he's going to retire for like a couple years. but
0: I feel like this would be the team to kind of do it.
1: Oh, yeah, this has got to be miserable for him. You know, you're a coach that's won five rings, I think.
0: Yeah, he's right. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, five rings. Literally... All of your team's championships are won by you. Not many coaches can say that, but Pop can. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how they went went to the playoffs for 21 or 22 straight seasons. In fact, you and I had never lived in a world where the Spurs were not a playoff team until recently. That is true. So, yeah, that is
0: true. I mean, Tim Duncan never missed the playoffs. I mean, the year when they got Tim Duncan with, and then David Robinson and then they never missed the playoffs again. And then the rest yeah. is history.
1: Yeah. Um, Tomorrow night, there's some good games. The Milwaukee Bucks take on the Indiana Pacers at 6 Central. The Memphis Grizzlies take on the Minnesota Timberwolves at 630 Central. The Orlando Magic take on the Miami Heat at 7 Central. Both teams that the Celtics have lost to this week, so I'll be checking this one out. Um, Cleveland at Oklahoma City at 7 p.m., then rounding out Friday night's action, the Toronto Raptors at the Golden State Warriors at 9 p.m., and then, moving into Saturday, oh my goodness, there's a lot of great NBA basketball on. Uh, I'm just going to hit the highlights since we have to go to comer- or PSA break, but the Los Angeles Lakers at Boston Celtics, 7.30 uh, Central, 8.30 Eastern on ABC. Griggs, I so wish I could go to this game, but... A $273 ticket on a college student budget its just not – plus all the transportation up there. You've made that work before, I feel like. I have in the past, but, you know, last weekend was very uh, uneconomical.
0: And it's crazy still to think about how, like, kind of the draw the Lakers are because they're not a good team, man.
1: No, no, but it's still one of the most expensive – or it's the second most expensive ticket for a Celtics game all year. It what? was like three fifty to watch them play the Warriors, hmm. and, we, and the Bucks on Christmas Day was three eighty. Hmm. I got that,
0: but yeah, that's that is a good matchup. I mean, I feel like the Lakers always play better in prime time. I don't know. I feel like they just post more clips of LeBron and that. That yeah. could just be me, but it's not you. It, I feel like <laughs> that's true. But yeah, I mean, this is the Celtics team that right now they control they control their own destiny for where they want to be. Starting after this All Star break, so it's gonna be interesting to see that
1: they do. And we are going to send it away with that. When we come back, we've got some NHL talk here on the Eagles Nest. You're listening to Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg talks sports on Legal ninety one point one FM. Don't go anywhere.
0: And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. Once again, you're hanging out with Griggs Blankenberg and Daniel Locke on this Thursday mid morning, almost afternoon, yep. here in the Bradley Basin Studio in the Melton Student Center. We last segment we talked about NBA. Before that, we. We've done three straight segments of basketball. We have. Well, now let's switch it up a little it's bit. A let's go to Na- the National Hockey League. Let's do that hockey. Starting off, as we always do, in the Eastern Conference, reading through the standings in first place in the Atlantic Division and in the entire NHL. By a margin that's growing bigger by the day now, it is the Boston Celtics. 38 wins, 5 losses, 4 overtime losses,
1: 80 points, 9-1 and one in their last 10 and all 5-game hater. Oh, they're so fun to watch. I love this team so much. I can't wait for tonight as they take on the Lightning at 6:30 on ESPN Plus. Um, the top two teams in the Atlantic, or no, the first and third team in the Atlantic Division. As the Lightning have taken a step back this year for sure,
0: but they had to eventually.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm just I'm very excited about this Bruins team. They're kind of like the Celtics, where if they don't win at all, it's a disappointment. Mm. And while wow, that's a very risky feeling because, you know, it's hard to win it all and you might end up very disappointed, it's just fun to think like, oh, wow, my team is a legitimate shot of doing this.
0: And hockey is a harder sport to do that in basketball too, I feel oh, like. Oh, for sure. Especially we past examples like the Blue Jackets a couple years ago. I forgot who they be. Who be. They...
1: Oh, man. Wasn't it the Leafs, I feel like? Yes, it, it was. was.
0: It was the most Leafs thing ever. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Leafs, they're in second in the Atlantic, 68 points. They're 12 back of the Celtics. Um. I said Celtics. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the Bruins. Uh, the Lightning, we were just talking about, 61 points. Uh, then goes Sabres, Panthers, Red Wings, Ottawa Senators, and, and last in the Atlantic are the Montreal Canadiens.
1: Ha. Sucks to suck, Montreal.
0: Hey, that's a, that's a that, that They're like the Dallas Cowboys of the NHL, I feel like. But they have a... Hmm. Well, think about it, They've won the most, but they've not won since, like, what, the 90s?
1: Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah.
0: Or maybe the, I'm trying to think the the it's the who has the most Super Bowls. It's what the Patriots, mm-hmm. it's the Steelers are tied at six. Yes, and then it goes I think San Francisco and Dallas.
1: Correct. Yeah. Okay, I can see it. Yeah. Um. Obviously they're a, a little different because you know Montreal doesn't even really get to the playoffs much these days other than 2021, which was still crazy to think about. Yeah. And Dallas gets there and just lays an egg. Mm. Um, so they're both fun. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's a pretty good comparison. The only other um, NFL team I kind of can see the uh, Canadians being like is, like, maybe a Bears maybe to where the team's, like, historically good, but just hasn't been in a while. Sure, but the Bears
0: have only won once.
1: Okay, yeah, that's not valid then. Maybe Giants. I don't know. Yeah,
0: um, something like that. Yeah. Moving on to the Metropolitan Division. Now, in first place are the Carolina Hurricanes, 68 points, 30 wins, 9 losses, 8 overtime losses at 68 points. Not, Don't like that. No. Don't like that at all. Followed closely by the New Jersey Devils at 66 points. Still kind of a shock this year. They were in first place in the Metropolitan for a little while, now kind of rolling back a little bit to the Hurricanes.
1: Yeah, definitely not one I was expecting to see, so... I'm interested to see if that continues.
0: (laughs) Uh, Followed then by the New York Rangers, who are 60 points in the Metropolitan. Then it goes Penguins and Capitals, tied at 56. Islanders, Flyers, and dead last. I believe. Nope, not dead last in the entire NHL. It is the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yikes! They're they're in the battle for Bedard right now, as (laughs) they are calling it. I feel like. I mean, they. I mean, when, when they brought in Johnny Gourdeau, too. I thought they were going to be better than this.
1: Yeah, I, I don't really know what's what this is, but it's not how you play NHL hockey.
0: Yeah, that's, that's still the most surprising move of last offseason. And now we move on to the Western Conference, starting in the Central Division. In first place are the Dallas Stars, 28 wins, 13 losses, 9 overtime losses, and 65 points, followed closely in second by the Winnipeg Jets at 63 points kind of a little different than we thought the, what it was going to look like at the top at least.
1: Oh yeah. Um I I expected Winnipeg to be like at the bottom of the barrel along with Montreal's and the Anaheim's of the world, but no, they are really pretty good this year.
0: And kind of on a comeback now from earlier where they were in the season, are the Colorado Avalanche on a five uh, on a six game win streak now. 26-17-3, 55 points, 7 and 3 in their last 10.
1: Yeah, we both picked them to win in our um, NHL kickoff show. Uh, I've changed my pick, needless to say. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know, just they're starting to get back into that 2021-2022 form, but there's still a long way to go just because of how good that team was.
0: My thing is, I feel like the Eastern Conference is more cut and dry where I'm like, okay, these teams are going to the playoffs. This is the team I think I can come out of the East and represent them in the Stanley Cup final. The Western Conference, there's – Three, four, five, six teams I could think of that could find a way to get to the cup final.
1: Yeah, and the fourth team in each division, which if you don't know, there are four divisions in the NHL, two in the West, two in the East. The top four teams from all four divisions go. And in both, the, in both Western Conference divisions, the Central and Pacific, the fourth place and fifth place team are separated by a very little margin. Three points between Edmonton and Calgary in the Pacific, and – two points between Nashville and Minnesota, so there could still be a lot of playoff shakeup, and there's still a lot of hockey to play as it's only January.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota in fourth, as Dan just said, followed by Nashville in fifth. Uh, St. Louis Blues, Arizona Coyotes, and in last place in the entire NHL are the Chicago Blackhawks. Sorry. It's okay. We're, we're going to get Bedard. <laughs> we're going to change the franchise around. Taze is going to teach him for a year, then retire, and then Bedard's going to be the next face Maybe. think you think, you think the NHL is going to send him to Anaheim? I hope not. It would be just him and Zargus, that's it.
1: Yeah, hopefully not.
0: Moving on now to the Pacific in first or tied for first place, I'd say, with two games in hand, as they would call it, across the pond, it is the Seattle Kraken at 61 points, 28, 14, and 5. And then also with them are the Vegas Golden Knights, 29, 17, and 3, both at 61.
1: And this is probably one of the biggest stories in the NHL at this point in season is the Kraken looking more more and more as each day goes on like a solid playoff contender. Because remember
0: what they did? They didn't they didn't do what Vegas did. Vegas went more veteran players, established players. Seattle went for a lot of younger players. I remember they took one of the Blackhawks AHL players. And now maybe didn't really pay off in year 1, but now it's kind of starting to pay off for them a little bit.
1: Yeah, um and that kind of goes to show that there's definitely pros and cons to building your team each way cuz if it's only year two of this Seattle team. With that, it goes without saying that they have the youngest average age in the NHL, and it's not even really that close. Hmm. Uh, the average age is only like 25 years old. So that's going to open up a pretty good contending window here shortly, I believe. That is true.
0: Moving on now down more, the Los Angeles Kings at 60 points are the only team in the top four of each division that has a uh, negative goal differential, minus seven right now. But they're, nonetheless, they're still in third in the Pacific, followed for, in fourth by the Edmonton Oilers at 58 points, and then Calgary at 55, and then it goes Vancouver, San Jose, and Anaheim at the bottom.
1: Yep, that's Anaheim. Come on, Calgary. You can do it. Yeah. You can pass I like them. Vancouver, I like San Jose, and I like Anaheim, but they're just all so bad.
0: I like a lot of orange and blue teams, Daniel. You know that. Illinois, Auburn. There's one I don't like, and it's in the NHL. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, moving on to the stats, those two people in orange and blue are still the top of the points leaders, of course. Connor McDavid in first with 89 points, followed by Leon Draisaitl, his teammate, with 73. Too. McDavid's kind of separating himself from McDavid now. And next is a guy Daniel knows pretty well. It's Pasta, David Pasternak, with 69 points, followed in fourth by Nikita Kucherov with 68, and then Tage Thompson of Buffalo at 66.
1: The only like real like surprising name on here is Tage Thompson. Mm-hmm. I really didn't buy into his hype as he came into the league, but he's proving me wrong.
0: I think Buffalo's pr- proved a lot of people wrong this year too.
1: Oh, for sure. Um, they're also looking like a playoff team, which is kind of funny. Um I really like the narrative of players thriving when they leave Buffalo, <laughs> like the Taylor Halls of the World. So maybe Tage Thompson will do the same thing soon.
0: Leading the way in goals, it's no surprise to anyone here at the Eagles. It's Connor McDavid with 40 goals, followed in second by David Pasternak, 37. Jason Robertson of Dallas, 33. Tage Thompson, also tied for third with 33. And then Miko Rantanen of the Colorado Avalanche with 32 points.
1: Miko Rantanen is one of my only players on the Avalanche who I really, really like.
0: I really love watching uh, um, uh, Cal McCarr. Yeah, fair enough. He's Really good. Uh, plus-minus leaders is Hampus Lindholm of the Boston Bruins, 34, plus-minus, followed by Joe Pavelski of Dallas, 32, Adam Larson of Seattle, 31, Ryan Graves of, New Jersey of the New Jersey Devils, and David Postmanock of Boston, both tied at 28. And then as we normally say on the Eagles, goaltending leaders, it's all Linus Ulmark, 1.82 goals against average, not 0.938 save percentage, and 25 wins, all leading the National Hockey League.
1: He is just so solid for us. and um,
0: Even your backup goalkeeper's not number four.
1: Right. That's my favorite thing, two ace goalies in a lineup full of shooters, and that's why this Bruins team is having the success that they are is that the team is just stocked with talent and just good coaching. And I really feel like as much as I love Bruce Cassidy, Bruins coach for six years, um, fired at this off season. I think it's just a culture thing. Mm. I just don't really think he fit the culture very well because they're responding great to Jim Montgomery. So, you know, I gave um, Don Sweeney and Cam Neely, the two Bruins, the GM and president respectively, a lot of crap on social media. But, I mean, I've got to, I've got to give some credit where credit's due. It's looking like this was the right move. hmm
0: I agree with that. Any closing remarks before we head to break?
1: Yeah, I'm just going to highlight a few games this weekend. Um, obviously tonight, Bruins at Tampa Bay, very big game. Um, nothing really t- else. Tomorrow on ESPN, Detroit and New York. Anytime there's a game on ESPN, it's normally pretty good. This is a rare exception to that. Then on Saturday, St. Louis at Colorado, 2 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus, and 5 p.m. Boston at Florida will be a pretty good game. And then, yeah, it's, it's kind of it. Uh, oh, Sunday, Bruins at Carolina. So, Mm. A very busy weekend for the Boston Bruins. Three big games back-to-back-to-back, so I'm excited to see what they do with it. But that is going to end it for the Hockey Talk on today's um, edition of the Eagles Nest. When we come back, Daniel Jones, what happened? (laughs) What happened? And welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on the Eagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. And kicking off the second hour some NA- NFL talk. Not NHL talk. That was last. Jacksonville, I'll give you an A on your season. Mm. New York. Even though it ended bad, you get a pretty you get a solid B plus. Ryan A was still my coach of the year. Oh for sure. Buffalo, F. Sorry. You were supposed to win it this year. That's an F.
0: Yeah, we'll go. We'll stop more on that in a minute. But Dallas
1: and, F. Yeah, Dallas is bad.
0: Moving back now. Okay, so Jaguars Chiefs Saturday last Saturday Chiefs win twenty seven twenty. Um, Mahomes got a little hurt in that one, but Chiefs find a way to come back from that one and win that game. Trevor Lawrence loses his first ever game on a Saturday.
1: Yeah, I was they, Jacksonville was kind of my team. I was like, oh, maybe, but you know, it just didn't work out that way.
0: I, I think it will be better next year. I think they got a oh, for sure. good chance next year. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see this Chiefs matchup this weekend because I don't know what to expect, really. I don't either. Um, this game was crazy. I didn't even watch a minute of it. I was driving back from Columbia. Uh, Giants 7, Eagles 38. I was talking to some uh, Giants fans, I know, and they just said that, man, Philadelphia's just that much better.
1: Yeah, we had this one on over at my place at, on Saturday night as we were having a little get together to celebrate my birthday, and it it didn't stay on very long before we switched to the UFC, but yeah, Dallas just got throttled. You mean the Giants? Yeah, that. Well, yeah.
0: And they still won. I mean, they scored 38 points with Jalen Hurts only throwing 154 yards.
1: Yeah, so it really makes you wonder where these points come from.
0: And now my thought is going into this week. We'll talk about it more in a minute, but. Where is that going to come from? Because the, um, the 49ers defense is a lot better than the, than the Giants. Yeah. And they're going to be a lot better at stopping the run. So you're going to have to test that not 100% shoulders, as they've been calling it in Philadelphia.
1: Plus, the 49ers are just – you know you have some teams that are just good at playing in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. The 49ers are one of those. So True. I'm I'll be very surprised to kind of – or not – I'll be very interested to see kind of what happens.
0: Moving on to Sunday now. Bengals twenty-seven, Bills ten. Josh Allen and the Bills go home again early. Still being eluded of that Super Bowl they are still chasing to this day.
1: I feel like you have to talk about the bigger issue at hand here. Bills Mafia hmm. overrated.
0: I don't want to get that. I don't want to get. I don't want us to. We already we already get talk bad about Philly fans. I don't want to talk bad about Buffalo. Well, but here's what I will say about Buffalo is, I mean, they were everyone's picks to win the Super Bowl this year. They were you and I's picks. Josh Allen was my MVP. I think he was might be yours, too. Yeah. But, man, you got a home playoff game like this. You're playing in the snow against the Bengals. DeMar Hamlin was at the game, too. If that can't get you going, I don't know what's going to I don't know what it is for the Bills.
1: Yeah, like I just don't I just don't get it, man.
0: I mean, maybe you could point to. Uh, I mean, Va- Von Miller was hurt that game. Uh, this in this last season. I mean, I don't think Von Miller adds a um, seventeen point difference, but no. I mean, he helps, but still, I just don't know where it is. Really, I mean, Josh Allen didn't throw a touchdown. He had an interception, threw forty two times, complete twenty five passes, two hundred sixty four yards, and an INT.
1: Yeah, and then Joe Burrow just looked great. So. I don't know. And it's a Buffalo, like it was home game up in um, Orchard Park, and the snow was coming down. So you can't dial it up any better for the Buffalo Bills than that.
0: Nah, I'm just, I want to see what their next step is from here because I don't know what else because on paper, this is the best team this year.
1: Yeah, like you just, you've got to wonder is it coaching? I mean, I really like um, Sean McDermott. I do but, too. I don't know, man. Like, some, something's wrong here.
0: I feel like losing Brian Dable to the Giants had a lot more of an effect on them than they thought.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's got to be it.
0: I mean, I feel like Josh Young, I was listening to a podcast, talking about, like, they were saying Josh Young maybe felt like he had to do too much. Yeah. Which wasn't really the case. I mean, he had the same everything, really, on offense that he had last year.
1: I would agree. Like, um, Dalton Knox was his leading receiver who caught for 65 yards off of five catches, no respect to um, Knox at all, but Stephon Diggs. Mm. Like, I don't know. It's just weird. Mm-hmm. But is that it? No, no. Dallas. Final game of the weekend.
0: <laughs> right. It is the Cowboys twelve, forty ers nineteen. Brock Purdy is eight and zero as a starting quarterback in the NFL after being Mr. Relevant this year. But the main thing. My goodness, we got to talk about that last play. You put Ezekiel Elliott at center.
1: That was the worst thing I've ever With seen. With no
0: ever. other lineman around him, you go like eight on each side, and then you. What s- were
1: you expecting to happen there?
0: I'm like, you know, last year where Dak ran it down the middle of the field, got the first down, couldn't spike it in time.
1: Yeah, and they they boxed out the ref from spotting it.
0: Yeah, in my head, I'm thinking, there's no way. How can the Cowboys top what they did last year to lose to the 49ers at home? And my goodness, they topped it. By Ezekiel Elliott snapping it to Dak Prescott, Zeke gets absolutely pancaked. A second after he snaps the ball, Dak throws a quick three-yard uh, between the hash marks pass, and the receiver gets absolutely destroyed. No chance for lateral, which is the whole reason why Zeke was in there. So, yeah, 19-12 in favor of the 49ers.
1: Yeah, and it's another year of Dallas not being them boys. So, with that being said, let's kind of move into this weekend. Sunday at Last, 2. Oh, I have one more thing. So. go for it, yeah.
0: If you're Dallas, I feel like you've hit your threshold with Mike McCarthy. Yep. You give Sean Payton a call? No. Why not?
1: They're not allowed to.
0: They can get they can trade it give him a pick. No. You think Jerry Jones isn't gonna try?
1: Uh I don't think he should be allowed to.
0: That is kind of weird how he like left St. Louis uh, not St. Louis uh New Orleans. Still had years on his contract and that kind of stuff, now it's really wanted to come back. I'm do you think that had more to do with the Saints or he just had a change of heart?
1: Honestly, I think he just kind of got tired of, you know, the New Orleans scene. Like, you know, working with s- somewhere for 16 years is a long time. Mm. So I think he just, the main, I don't think there was, like, bad blood, really. Like, obviously, you work with someone for 16 years, you're going to get along sometimes, you're going to butt heads sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's just part of life. So I think the main thing is he was just ready for a change of scenery, which I respect. Like, you know, he gave it everything he had in New Orleans. He most definitely left the place better than he found it. So, I mean, I appreciate him as a Saints fan, and I'll support him no matter what he does with his future. Would it be nice if he came back to us? Absolutely. but I
0: don't think they're going to do that. No, they're not. No, but um, you give Dylan Stallone one more year?
1: Sure. I mean, why not? I mean, the offense was the issue this year for the most part. I mean, the defense took an, a ginormous step back from what it had been.
0: Is Michael Thomas going to play again?
1: Uh, we'll see. I don't even care yeah. at this point.
0: Moving on, let's go right now. It is championship week in the NFL First off, the NFC Championship on Fox this Sunday, 2 p.m. Central Time. The San Francisco 49ers travel to the link to take on the Philadelphia Eagles in the most one of the most expensive conference championship games ever. Right now on ESPN it says you can get in for $452, but I've seen anywhere close to 1000 The line is currently set at e- uh, the Eagles, minus 2.5, with an over-under of 46 points.
1: Yeah, I really feel like it's put-up or shut-up time for Brock Purdy. And then, in addition... Um, Christian McCaffrey's questionable. Elijah Mitchell is questionable.
0: That's just a thing for Christian McCaffrey Just yeah, always true. stay questionable.
1: Devo Samuel's questionable.
0: I think they'll get them back. I hope so. I think they will. Um, main uh, injury for the Philadelphia Eagles is Lane Johnson, the offensive tackle. He's one of their best offensive tackles, and they need him at full strength to be the guy to. If anyone could, I don't even know if it's possible to stop uh, Nick Bosa. It's not. It's it. It's a hard thing to do. But my main question about this game is not Lane Johnson. It's Jalen Hurts. You go into last week saying his uh, injury, he was not 100%. And we saw that. I mean, he threw, like, what, 24 passes, 156 mm-hmm. yards. This is a 49ers defense that is leaps and bounds, probably the best remaining defense left in the NFL.
1: Yes, I agree.
0: You cannot run the ball on them like you would the Giants defense. No. Nah. You're going to have to pass it. Now, is the shoulder going to be okay enough where you can do that against a very good team where you're not going to have a lot of time that you've had against some of these NFC East teams all year to throw the ball? Granted, you've played Dallas two times, but still.
1: I mean, it's definitely a valid concern. Um, and then on the other side, it's Brock Purdy. Like, whenever A lot of times when you see a quarterback like this, especially in the playoffs, it kind of tends to fade out at some point. So you've kind of got to wonder, like, all right, is this guy for real? Is the team around him good enough to kind of help carry him to victory? Like, what's going on here?
0: I think the ma- main thing all people are talking about is uh, – what's his name? Uh, Kyle Shanahan's ability to just use any quarterback. True. And that's helped him. Um, my other thought, I've been asking some of my friends who are 49ers fans this week. What do you do with Trey Lance? I
1: don't you know. you got to trade him. Yeah.
0: If, especially if Brock Purdy gets you to the Super Bowl. He is your QB1 next year. I don't care – Unless maybe Tom Brady comes knocking at your door, that's the only scenario I think they would go away from Brock Purdy if they win this game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's kind of my thinking as well.
0: But it's hard to play in the link. It is that that big of stakes. Moving on though, CBS 5:30 p.m. A rematch of last year's AFC Championship game. It is the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Kansas City Chiefs line. Currently, it was at. Bengals minus two is now back to Kansas City minus one and a half over under. And this one is forty-seven. And the main concern is Patrick Mahomes in this one. He's not listed on the injury report because he can you can play with a high ankle sprain, but that's definitely something of concern, especially for a quarterback who likes to move and get outside of the pocket and make something happen.
1: Yeah, um, I just that injury looked bad. He tried to play through it. You've got to wonder if he may have tweaked it a little worse. But on the other side, it's Joe Burrow, man. He's so good.
0: You see the Bengals players were calling it Burrowhead after <laughs> they beat the Bills because he's three and zero against Patrick Mahomes.
1: That's actually hilarious.
0: I just don't. It's hard to beat a team four times in a row if you're the Bill if you're the Bengals. True. You're playing at Arrowhead again. I mean everything I've said it happened last year. They beat them in Arrowhead last year.
1: Mm.
0: I just because the Bengals still have a little bit better offensive of line, but they still they have one of their guards and offensive tackles who are questionable this week. And then Trey Flowers is also questionable, their cornerback. So, I don't know. I feel like Kansas City, you got to win another one. You give Patrick Mahomes this much money, you have to win more than one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a valid um question. But I don't know, man. I just feel like the Bengals are that team.
0: I mean, still, they, we were talking about they barely got the – AFC North lockdown. True. If you remember, that went down to last week. It could have gone to a coin flip. Yeah. But I feel like they're one of those teams that just takes any motivation they can find and just uses it and just Mm -hmm. is able to do that. Kind of like what they thought, like, when they couldn't play the Bills game, they thought they would have had a shot for the number one seed in the AFC Championship game. Because you remember, they beat the Chiefs this year. Mm -hmm. So the Chiefs lose last week before looking back hindsight. The Chiefs lose and the Bills lose, and they beat the Bills, and then they beat whoever they play in Week 17 or 18, whatever it is. They're the one seed. Right. So I think they're obviously going to be thinking about that a little bit, but I feel like this one's a toss-up for me.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Especially
0: since Kansas City's not good at covering the spread. 6-11-1 when, when they have a
1: 1.5. No. But it is not yeah. very long until we find out. That'll do it for the NFL talk here on the Eagles Nest. When we come back, we've got some MLB action going on. You are listening to Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg. Do not go anywhere, please. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me is Griggs Blankenberg. We've done all sorts of fun things today. But now, for the first time since November, it's a drive in the deep left field by Castellanos. And you know the rest. I bet you're going to play it, the audio. I don't feel like looking for it. Hmm. It's all messed up. But, yes, it's basically – we could have, we could talk, we could take this
0: segment a lot of different ways. I guess the main thing this off-scene we got to start with is the Carlos Correa drama. I guess.
1: Yeah, like that's nuts. So, so... when, so he was originally,
0: then he was going, went Giants. Yep. It went Mets. Yep. And now he's back at the Twins.
1: Yep. Red Sox for a day or two.
0: <laughs> I mean, something must be horribly wrong with that. What he got done with his knee or ankle, whatever it was, right? It yeah. has to be. I mean. I don't know what the Mets were thinking where they're paying him all this money that they were going to, and then they used the same doctor that didn't clear him from the Giants, which that seems a little suspect to I me. Mean, does you think the doctor's just going to change his mind now?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, The Mets tend to like just be like, okay, we'll just spend all the money possible in the world, and then we'll just win, which works in a video game. but This isn't MLB The Show. No. So... I don't know. I just, I still don't think the Mets are all that, if I'm being honest.
0: I don't. I feel like they're they're still getting a lot of money. I mean, losing Degrom and adding Justin Verlander, yes, that's – DeGrom's really, really good. But then, again, Justin Verlander is one of the best replacements I think you can make for him coming off an, a Cy Young year like that mm-hmm. He just had. But, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that thing where the Mets fans are all scared about Darren Ruff playing and all this stuff. They're freaking out. You seen yeah. Frank the Tank? I did. Ugh. I love that. It's just really funny stuff.
1: So, Wilson, I'm just kind of going around the diamond here through positions. Wilson Contreras, Uh, 31 years mm. old, longtime Chicago Cubs, signs a five-year deal with the St. Louis Cardinals to replace Yadier Molina.
0: (sighs) Pain, man. I mean, get your money, man, but yeah that one hurts. I feel like we were gonna try. I mean, my thing was like we had the Mets offering us like half their farm system for him in the at the trade deadline last year, and then he just let him walk for nothing. I think yeah. what you get a conditional like fifth or sixth round pick, but come on, I mean, I mean it's good, but a rebuilding team your main thing doesn't really have to be the catcher. you know that too, mm-hmm. so I guess just getting more like i mean. I was going to say picks but in the MLB draft it's still so weird to me you can't trade picks.
1: Yeah, I've never got that either.
0: Just I feel like that's something that's going to be addressed eventually but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it sucks that he goes he's going to the Cardinals but I mean, he I mean, he's always looked up to Yadier Molina. I mean, I mm-hmm. don't I don't blame him. And he's he's one of the best defensive catchers, catchers like kind of Yadier, Yadier Molina was. So, yeah,
1: there's that. So real quick, I'll let you do this with the Cubs, and I'll do it with the Red Sox. What is your grade for your team's offseason at this point?
0: I'm gonna give it a I don't know. It's I'm between two. I'm gonna to go. I'm gonna go B minus because we were in. We were trying to be in on Korea. That ended up deciding. We didn't want to try to risk that, so we ended up going Sw- Dansby Swanson, who. Him and Nico Horner, I think, it can be one of the best defensive duos, middle infields in baseball, if they try. And then if Dancy's arm's not doing well at shortstop, you can easily switch Nico over to shortstop and him to second, I feel like. Yeah. And then Cody. If we get anything close to twenty nineteen, Cody, I'll be okay with that. But the mm-hmm. main thing for me is just I mean, I'm a, we can find another catcher, but lose uh pitching. Kyle Hendricks is still the is the still the our starting pitcher, number one. So yeah. we you need to build depth in your bullpen rotation, you're going to get Keegan Thompson back. he played play pretty well. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, nothing just out of the water just shocks me. I feel like we were told by the Rickets that we were going to get some more. They are not going to be afraid to spin, but I don't know. I feel like it was kind of like a dull offseason. It wasn't really too much going on besides from Correa and then maybe Contreras and Verlander and DeGrom.
1: Yeah, uh, I feel similarly about the Red Sox. Um, obviously, it sucks losing Xander Bogarts. Um, thank you for all the great years. But, They extended Rafael Devers for the next 11 seasons, so that's cool. Um, They've made the bullpen a little better. They haven't really done as much as I would have liked with the starting rotation. They signed Adam Duvall to a one-year deal yesterday, so I mean, if he's like 20, 20 Adam Duvall, I'll take it. But, I mean, I don't really want... I don't really have much interest in last year's Adam Duvall, but... Um. yeah, I, I don't know. I think with the Red Sox, grade wise, I'm going to go C+, because hmm. it definitely had the potential to be an F, and they made it not an F, so it's sort of like me in Spanish class, hmm. so I, I guess like they just did okay, given the fact that I don't know. Um. I trust that Kyle Bloom has a vision, so Oh, I also forgot to say Trey yeah. Mancini
0: so. Oh, yeah. That's still pretty good. I'll give him that, but Again, we need pitchers. So B C plus B minus.
1: Yeah. That's kinda of about where I'm at as well. So are there any free agents who are still on the market who you are kind of surprised they are still on the market? If if that that I phrase that very mm-hmm. weirdly, but nah. do you follow?
0: Yeah, I get you. Um
1: Oh, we signed Justin Turner as well. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. But
0: yeah. I feel like the Dodgers are losing a lot of those core pieces they had. To for replace all those them with years. new core pieces. Yeah. To that. <laughs> Um I don't know man it's been kind of quiet this past little bit. Um I don't know. I can't really put a finger on any name. I mean, all the big ones kind of got snatched up pretty quickly there with I think the one that kind of shocked me a little bit was um Who am I thinking of? I can't remember. But uh, the Braves really didn't do too much from what I remember. No. I mean, you lose Dansby, but then you kept, like, every other piece, really. I mean, they
1: brought in Sean Murphy. but That was about Mm it.
0: Yeah, I don't really know any other names I can – because I feel like right now is, like, the time where where, uh, they're about to report pitchers and catchers in a couple Mm -hmm. weeks. So I feel like it'd be a really, really late time to go somewhere
1: now. So, Didi Gregorius, 33 years old. Is he the best player still available? No. No, this is just a side point. He played for the New York Yankees for a long time, mm-hmm. and the Yankees radio announcer has a famous call where he goes, Dee Gregorius makes Yankee fans euphorious. So I really want the Red Sox to sign D.D. Gregorius <laughs> so he can come in and make one good play, and then whoever we decide to replace Jerry Remy with can say, "D.D. Gregorius makes Red Sox fans euphorious just to stick it to him. Mm-hmm. But we'll see.
0: Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yes. So, uh, 23, the vote was here. It came out Tuesday night. There's only one player headed to Cooperstown this year. That is Scott Rowland, most famously known for his years with the Arizona Arizona Cardinals. I'm still thinking football. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals uh, barely gets in on 67.3% of the ballots. I don't know how many people vote for this. I don't either. I feel like it's a lot. But I feel like it's a lot of old, old people, too. But, yes, yeah, so Roland was the only one. He appeared on 76.3% of the ballots. The next closest one was Todd Helton, who had 72.2%, Billy Wagner, 68.1%, Andrew Jones, 58.1%, and Gary Sheffield at 55%. percent um, they were the only candidates to appear over more than 50% of the ballots.
1: Tory Hunter. Wow. Mm-hmm. Andy Pettit. Let's go. Wow. Jimmy Rollins. Man, I'm I'm feeling so old that these guys that were like still in the game when we were young, like really not that long ago, like middle school age, are now on the Hall of Fame ballots. Mm-hmm. I'm Trotson like. Bronson Arroyo. <laughs> now some
0: of the names for next year are kind of crazy. Um, but yeah.
1: Jason Worth. Oh.
0: So. I don't know. I feel like the Baseball Hall of Fame is just like. It's kind of lost its luster, if that makes yes, it sense. It like has. in the past, they do like what three, four people a year. Mm-hmm. Now there's two people going in, one from the old person ballot and one from the common era ballot this year, with Fred Crime Dog McGriff and Roland, uh, Scott Rowland. And then some years they'll just do no one. I feel like that was the case last year. Yeah, but then uh, uh, the next uh, couple dr- uh, ones, I'm trying to look at some people who could. Oh, my gosh.
1: Bartolo Colon.
0: There's no way.
1: Adrian Gonzalez, Jose Bautista. Oh, I feel so old. James Shields?
0: No, there's no way he gets in. Um, New to the ballot next year, you see some of these names. Ready? Adrian Beltre. Oh, no. Joe Maurer. Gosh, Chase Utley. I feel like Joe Maurer should get in.
1: Sure, yeah, I'll go with that. Chase
0: Elliott's a to toss up right now. David Wright. He means so much to Mets fans, but do he really do anything, really?
1: No. I mean, there's a lot of things in the world that mean a lot to Mets fans. It just yeah. don't matter to us uh, the MLB.
0: Bartolo Clone, Matt Holiday, who's my favorite player growing up. For random reason. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez. Wow, it's really been, what, six, seven years?
1: So there was a song in 2013 that was like, this is before the dates of Spotify. So this was on YouTube where it was a Red Sox song. And one of the lines was, Adrian Gonzalez is going to rack them ribbies up. So every time I hear that name, I think of that. It reminds me of my childhood. Very enjoyable. That's crazy to think like that. These guys that we were watching not that long ago mm-hmm. are on Hall of Fame ballots. Jose
0: Bautista—he's been out of the league for six years. I guess so. seven. I forgot how long it is.
1: Yeah, because in 2017 he played with the Braves for like three weeks, and I think he called it a career after that.
0: Um. Looking down, they have it um, next year for 2025. This is an interesting one. Ichiro Suzuki, CC Sabathia, Dustin Pedroia. Really, Dustin Pedroia, my goodness. It's been that long? Yeah,
1: 2018 was his last
0: year. Ian Kensler, Troy Tulewitzki, and Felix Hernandez. Wow. Yeah, definitely starting to get into the names we definitely remember. Um, and then 2026, um, Cole Hamels. Really? Unless he makes a comeback this year. Uh, Ryan Braun. Alex Gordon, Shinshu Chu, and Edwin Encarnacion.
1: Edwin Encarnacion?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: God, we're old as heck. We we are old. And then this one,
0: 2017, or 2027, which is the crazy one. Oh, no. Ready? Buster Posey, John John Lester, Ryan Zimmerman, Kyle Seeger. Kyle Seeger. I'll be crazy. That's still crazy to see that. Yeah. Man, we are getting old.
1: It's kind of sad.
0: Yeah, and like what two of these guys are going to be we all just named yeah. because they just don't let anyone in. No. No. But, yeah, that is going to do it for our MLB talk. When we come back, again, another little news segment we've been doing on this Eagles Nest show. It's the Premier League. We're talking a little footy with the lads, eh? Ace Canadian. I did it for the second straight show. When we come back, we're talking Premier League. This is the Eagles Nest on a Weagle 91.1 FM.
1: And welcome back into the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me, my good friend, Griggs Blankenberg. And it is time for some Premier League action on the Eagles Nest. I just want to start by saying my Crystal Palace Eagles gave Newcastle everything they had on Saturday. It was a good birthday gift in the 0-0 draw. I'll take that point. That's a good point.
0: Impressive nil-nil draw for the Eagles there. Yeah, a lot better than my team's built this past weekend. But let's move on. Let's go to the table. <clears throat> in first place still is Arsenal with 50 points, followed by Manchester City in second with 45. Newcastle with 39 points, as well as Manchester United, who's in fourth. Then there's Tottenham with 36 points. Brighton and Hove Albion, 31. Fulham in seventh with 31 as well. Then Brentford with 30 points. Above Liverpool in ninth with 29 Chelsea in 10th with 29, and then 11th, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace in 12th with 24, Nottingham Forest, Leicester City, Leeds United, West Ham United, Wolverhampton Wanderers, and in the relegation zone right now, AFC Bourne with 17 points, Everton in 19th with 15 points, and Southampton in 20th with 15 points.
1: Bad time to be in the relegation battle.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't know what that's like right now. No, but, yeah, so, again, you're still new to the Premier League. So, it's a little bit different than it usually is right now. Um, definitely ne- not expecting Newcastle to be up there in third no. right now. Um, I did not expect also to see Brighton and Fulham ahead of Liverpool and Chelsea. Did not expect that this year. Fulham's kind of kind of turning around for what they've done in years past. They've kind of flip-flopped between the Premier League and the championship. So, it's nice to see that they're going to be able to stay up this year, barring a disaster at the end. But what is your thoughts kind of going on right now in the head of a Crystal Palace fan?
1: Um, definitely a lot you can build off of. We don't. We have this week off. We have a match on Saturday morning against the uh, Man U. So that is Saturday morning. Next Saturday.
0: Next Saturday. I was about to say because it's an FA Cup weekend. Yeah. About to say that, but yeah. I mean that tie against Newcastle. Is pretty good. I mean we tied Newcastle. Their thing is just they've been playing really good defense this year, in that. But let's move real quick into this weekend's action starting on Friday for English soccer. It is the English FA Cup. So, Daniel, you know what the FA Cup's about? Uh, Not really. Okay, so the <laughs> FA Cup is any team in English uh, football. Like, you could be like a Sunday league team who just plays in the park on weekends. You can enter the FA Cup. And if you get to a high enough round, you can be drawn, like, a Manchester, a Manchester United away. That's sick. Arsenal away, like these big things. Yeah, that's why it's called the magic of the cup. It's some crazy stuff has happened. Like a team won the FA Cup one year, and then they got relegated to the Premier League that same year. Jeez. So it's going to be crazy. So Man City Arsenal this weekend, since it's an FA Cup weekend, that's going to be at Man City, 2 p.m. on ESPN+. Top two teams in the Premier League right now battling it out for a piece of English silverware. That'll be interesting to watch. And then Manchester United also plays in the FA Cup on Saturday at 2 p.m. against Reading, one of the lower remaining teams still left in the tournament. Trying to find some other stuff. I feel like Crystal Palace is still in here. Or did they lose to someone?
1: I think we lost to somebody. Because, yeah, we don't have a match in this anytime soon. Yeah.
0: You're still in – um. I uh, know, Carbo Cup's almost done. You're, you're doing good in the Premier League. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Leeds play this weekend as well. Leicester plays this weekend. Um, Bristol City plays West Brom. That could be interesting. Fulham plays Sunderland, which would be a very interesting. Sunderland's the team that's famous from the Netflix series. Um, we are Sunderland, I think that's what it's called. So that's going to be good. Let's move on to the Premier League, though, from uh, the next time we have some matches, I feel like. ESPN's weird with how they do soccer, if you've noticed.
1: Yeah, it's very glitchy right now. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, I think the first game back is next Friday, the 3rd. It's Chelsea-Fulham. That's on the 3rd, so that could be an interesting one, especially since Chelsea's right now hovering around that ninth, 10th spot there below Fulham. So this could be a a big swing for the boys from Samford Bridge.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: And then, as we already said, the Battle of the Eagles-Nest again. we're, We're tied right now. (laughs) 1-1 <laughs> 1-1 off that. Manchester United hosting Crystal Palace at the Theater of Dreams, Old Trafford, 9 a.m. Central on Saturday. I'm we- it's weird for me seeing Manchester United play on Saturday. I feel like we most of the time play on Sundays.
1: Yeah. Um, I- I've seen Palace play on many different days of the week. So I'm interested to see how this one goes. I'll definitely wake up early to watch it. I'll be heading to Knoxville that day, so I'll probably be listening to it while I drive up there. Hmm. But very excited for the game.
0: And then also that same day at 6.30 a.m., I don't know anyone who's going to wake up for this here. It's Everton versus Arsenal. Everton hosting Arsenal, that is. The 19th place team in the Premier League facing the top of the table in Arsenal. I feel like this might... It's just bad. Everton and Arsenal are the two teams that I feel like have never that have never been uh, relegated in Premier League. Yeah. And Everton's got a shot to this year, which would be really interesting. My uncle's an Everton fan, so I don't... Wish that on him. But hopefully they turn around. They got a new manager who's coming and they fired Frank Lampard. Or as they say in, in across the pond, they sacked their manager.
1: So, yeah. What's the next league that they'll go to?
0: Uh, the championship. Okay. And to get up back into the Premier League, you have to finish either in the top two, they go through automatically, and then three, four, five, and six, playing like a tournament. So they'll play one home game and then the one-away game, and then the teams who win those with goal differential move on to Wembley, where they call it the, the richest match in all of sports, which the team that wins that will go to the Premier League, which huh. it That's is great. the richest match in sports because you get all the world broadcasting rights. You get that split of money for your team because I think they share it between all the top the, the clubs in the Premier League. So I think it's like a six hundred fifty million dollars swing or something like that.
1: Yeah, because I imagine there's a lot of like financial disparity across these teams, mm-hmm. so that that's probably good that they can have that before going into the it Premier is, League. It
0: is huge, um, and then they got Aston Villa next weekend with Leicester City, the nine a.m. Aston Villa is kind of hovering around that middle spot right now. Leicester City definitely needs to win this one. They're starting to face off relegation more than they have in years past. Brentford at Southam- uh Well, Brentford hosting Southampton. It's getting it's getting close to wraps for Southampton right now.
1: Yeah. Not too good.
0: Uh Brighton and Hove Albion playing AFC Bournemouth. Uh Brighton again, who I think is in sixth or seventh right now, above and then AFC Bournemouth who's in seventeenth. Both are kind of fighting for a spot. Brighton's trying to go for Europa League. AFC Bournemouth's trying to stay in the Premier League. So that's gonna be a good battle to watch. And then Wolverhampton versus Liverpool. Yeah. Liverpool's just having a down year this year.
1: Yeah, um, that'll make Auburn beat reporter Brian Matthews a little sad, but it's just part of
0: it. A lot of the Auburn beat like soccer, too.
1: Yeah, that's one thing yeah. I yeah. like about
0: it. You got Brian Matthews, he's a Liverpool fan. Uh, you have uh, Brian St- uh, Schult- uh, Stoltz. Schultz. Sorry, I missed out I have an no- old teacher named Schultz. Brian Stoltz, he's a Fulham fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Ferguson's a Manchester United fan. We like that. And then... I, can, I feel like there's some one more that I'm missing. I I'm think not. there
1: is, but it's probably like yeah. Tom Green or somebody random.
0: <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, Newcastle at West Ham. So, that's 11.30 a.m. Central Time. Um, Newcastle and then West Ham, both kind of a disparaging teams this year. So, Newcastle at the top trying to hold on to themselves, and then West Ham. But with Newcastle, the interesting thing is they got taken over by I think one of the uh, I think one of the uh, Saudi uh, investment things. So yeah, I think I saw that. And they've not spent really much money yet in the club. So
1: normally those things like to spend money.
0: Watch out, because this team could be scary if they finish third in the Champions League this year and then they yeah. start buying whoever they want. It's gonna be weird if I see Lino Messi in a, in a Newcastle jersey.
1: Ugh. Yeah, you're right.
0: And then finally, on Sunday the 5th, we have Nottingham Forest taking on Leeds United at 8 a.m. Both teams kind of middle of the pack right now. Nottingham Forest was in relegation zone for a little bit. They pulled themselves out of it. And then uh, Tottenham facing Man City again for, I think, the second time in like two or three weeks. So I guess for Tottenham, it's better to get these out of the way now. Because they were you know what happened, right?
1: Yeah, they blew a two-goal lead. Yeah, they lost 4-2. Yeah, Ethan and I were watching that game together. No, no, he was in class watching it, and I was um, back at our place watching it, and I was like, oh, please win for Ethan. And they, they did not. We have one of our mutual friends from back home is a uh, Man City fan, and he has been very, very um, sure to let us know. So One
0: thing about, um, yeah, that was, they did not win for Ethan. They no. did not. They did not try. That was that was very infuriating to see because I'm like, okay, I don't want Tottenham to try to catch Man United near the end of the year. If they're doing this. And then, yeah, you give up four goals in one half after going up 2-0 at half.
1: Yeah, it was brutal.
0: I saw me when it's like the Man City manager. It's like, Pep, what would you tell your guys in the, in the dressing room at halftime? He goes, lads, it's Tottenham. Let's go. <laughs> That's funny. Um, But any other soccer stuff? I mean, the U.S. lost last night. Who did they play? They lost to Serbia. Oh, that doesn't sound good. Serbia, I think, scored within like the first 20 seconds of the second half. Yeah, I've, but I've we got don't. Want, it here. The thing with America is they didn't have any other studs because they're all still playing that in Europe, which is weird right now. Usually they'll break for like a week or two, but with the different time of the World Cup, it's all chaotic now.
1: Yeah, um, U.S. dominated control possessions, sixty-two percent, thirty-eight percent. They had nine fouls called on them to the Serbia's thirteen. The U.S. took one yellow card. Serbia took two. Serbia was called offsides three times. The U.S. took nine corners to the Serbs three and both goalkeepers made four saves. The U.S. had 20 shots on goal. Um, Serbia had six.
0: You said we wanted to talk about this a little bit in a break. Let's just go to a little bit of golf talk real quickly. Yeah, let's do it. So we're both big into golf now, you more than me.
1: When is? Yeah, that's probably about even. Yeah.
0: When do you think the uh, – when does the PGA start for you? Like, when will you just start following it more? My answer for me – I'll let you go, but I have mine picked out. Sure, go for it. Uh, the waste management. Okay, Same yeah. week as Super Bowl. I feel like that's when golf technically starts for me. The end of football, celebrating, like, the one of the most – Hectic scenes in all of golf Mm -hmm. is my kind of thing. Where I say that's okay. That's the starting
1: point for golf. I think. Sure, that's a very good answer. Mine's actually very similar. Um, I'm one week earlier. The Pebble Beach Pro Am. Okay. Um, that's when I start like watching every week. Like for example, last week um, I was knocking out some homework on Sunday, and I put on the um. I put on a match or a part of the round. I forget what where they even were last Mm -hmm. week, but I was just kind of watching it. And like this week, I'll probably watch a little bit just because it's the Farmer's Insurance Open at Tory Pines. And anyone who knows me knows that that is one of my favorite courses. So just any chance to see Tory Pines, I'll watch. But the first tournament I'll actually sit down and like really, really invest attention in is the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. But I'm right there with you on the waste management. I love it. I love that course. And then just a few weeks later, the players down at TPC Sawgrass. Hmm. So the the a more general answer is the month of February is when yeah. I really start getting into mm-hmm. it because then first weekend of April it starts and it doesn't stop because that's major season.
0: It is major season to the disappointment of some people the Masters is a big deal. Oh, for sure. Love the Masters. I I center I feel like that's the only tournament where like and I'm able to do it for the Wells Fargo or something like. I will like make sure like Saturday and Sunday, I'm locked in. I'm yeah. right there. Yeah, same. Which is why I like it to be closer. Like, cause when like Dust, J- um, Dustin Johnson ran away with it when it was in like November. Like, mm-hmm. I watched.
1: I'm like, is, that this was this probably weird. my least. Even though like I'm a Dustin Johnson fan, and I still didn't enjoy that Masters, which should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, it was just
0: weird. I mean, the Masters makes it look like there's not a lot of fans there. Usually when you're watching on TV, some, but then just when there's no fans there, and it's like the azaleas weren't in bloom, it was just. It was just weird, man.
1: Yeah, just the course looked bad. And no fault to the fine folks at Augusta National Golf Club. It's just
0: not a... You can't make the season no. look different.
1: No, like, you can't.
0: Like, I would do I do like the PGA being earlier. Because I remember when I the PGA was in Charlotte in, like, August. Mm-hmm. Whew, yeah. It was brutal.
1: I really want to go to that one of these days.
0: I, I want to go to another major. But that is going to do it for our golf talk. When we come back... It's everyone's favorite segment. It's the only segment I feel like we've done every single episode. It's who you got. So do not go anywhere. Last segment of the show coming up here on the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. Once again, you're hanging out with Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg here on this gorgeous cold, 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 cold um, uh, Thursday afternoon. It is now time for the final segment of the show. And it's always you know what a time it is, folks. It's time for who you got. So last week, a big discrepancy in the show last week. Daniel's picking one of his best he has, even with being home, uh not being here in the studio, he went eight and two with me going four and six. So the records are now Daniel's at fourteen and six. I am at ten and ten.
1: Nowhere is more thought provoking than the Auburn University Med Clinic.
0: Noah probably didn't I didn't keep track of Nose picks, but he was right near with you, so so um, why did I pick the Giants? I'm I'm not smart. <laughs> Moving on though, first off, we're starting with, of course, the NFL, NFL is King. 49ers at Eagles this Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. on Fox. Eagles looking to go to the Super Bowl for the first time in, I believe, five
1: years since the Philly special year. Daniel, who you got? Um, I'm gonna have to go with the Eagles, man. I, I know like the Giants or excuse me, the Niners have a good defense. Brock Purdy's playing good football, but they're just gonna have some I think some injuries lingering on the team this week. Playing Philly on the road is different, and I just don't think Brock Purdy's experienced enough for this. I would like to see Niners win, but I'm gonna have to pick the Eagles.
0: Your pen ultimate point is one of the reasons I'm is the reason I'm gonna pick the Eagles because you said the link. Going to the link in this environment, I still remember hearing stories from the when the Panthers made I think in two thousand four, two thousand three, I forgot what year it was, before they lost the Patriots. This the environment just of Philadelphia in that stadium is just absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, it's nuts.
0: And I've been a Brock Pretty guy. You know that. And I just think the Eagles got what it takes. I mean, if not now, win for the Eagles again? Right. And just the holy thing holding me back really is that Jalen Hurts status. Because him saying he was not 100% before the um, Giants game just still kind of Staying in my head, so I'm going with the Eagles, but I would not be surprised at all. If the 49ers come out and shock me. Yeah. Uh, moving on now, AFC Championship. It is the Bengals and the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. This is gonna be a, re- a rematch of the AFC Championship game from last year, where the Bengals won. Chiefs looking to get back to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2020. Daniel, what you got?
1: Uh, I've got to go with the Bengals. They're just they're hot right now. Um, there are some lingering issues ishi- injuries to the team. But I think that we might be stumbling across the realization that Joe Burrow just has Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and Arrowhead Stadium's number. So, I mean, this weekend will really kind of prove or disprove that claim. However, I just I like to stick with the hot hand. And I don't think there's a hotter hand than that of Joe Burrow in the NFL right now. So I'm just going to I'm going to keep rolling with him.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with the Bengals in this one too. Kind of what you were saying you were here to talk about last week where they were they were two seconds away from being down seven points and they were up seven points against the Ravens with that Sam hubbard Ruski touchdown. But I'm going to go with the Bengals too just because you can't tell me that Patrick Mahomes is fully healed from that high ankle sprain where he had to be carried off the field after one of those last touchdown passes. I mean, I they, the video was circulating around social media where he was walking off the podium and stuff, no limp and stuff. But I'm like, back in my head, I'm like, there's something behind that door that he's just going to like fall into or something like that because there's no way he's doing this.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of a few years ago when um, Tom Brady wore like gloves into the press conference and everyone kept asking him about it. He just had a smile on his face and said, I always wear gloves. I always wear gloves. And like under the glove, his hand was like torn up. It's hmm. giving me those kind of vibes.
0: Moving on to college basketball now. We start off at TBA, Thompson Bowling Arena, where the Texas Longhorns are taking on the Tennessee Volunteers. The battle for UT. But, or second place in the ETS, Daniel would say. But nonetheless, <laughs> Daniel, who you got?
1: Well, if you like the color orange, this is the place for you on Saturday. Um, I would like to see Texas win. However, I don't think that's in the cards. I'm going to have to go with Tennessee just because they're at home. That's a pretty good home um, environment. I hope I'm wrong, but I think I'm going with the Volunteers.
0: Kind of the same uh, thing you're saying right now. I don't like Texas that much, but – I don't like Tennessee for every sport besides football that much either, but I think Tennessee is going to win this game. I don't think they're going to lose at home this year, besides that Kentucky game that they lost, kind of a fluke. But yeah, I'm going with the Volunteers. Moving on to Rupp Arena now. It's Kansas at Kentucky. This will be an interesting one for sure. To the Blue Bloods in college basketball. Daniel, who you got?
1: Um. Like you said earlier in the show, last year, Kentucky went into Allen Fieldhouse and beat the Jayhawks like a drum. This year, I don't think we'll see that, but like the inverse of that, but I think we'll see kind of something that resembles it. I think Kansas is going to go in the rough and cover.
0: Hmm. I'm going to go with Kentucky here. I don't think they lose this game, especially after that South Carolina game. I don't think they're going to lose at home now. Besides maybe if Alabama plays there, I can't remember. But, yeah, I just think they're starting to figure it out a little bit more and more. I think Cal's trying to get them to figure it out, playing more like Kentucky. So, yeah, I'm going with uh, Kentucky in this one. Next up at Lawrence Joel Veterans Memorial Coliseum, it is NC State at Wake Forest, one of the battles of Tobacco Road. Should be an interesting one, as it always is. Daniel, you got?
1: Uh, Wake Forest, man. Um, I keep up with Wake Forest mainly through our mutual friend Eddie's Snapchat stories. <clears throat> But he's in every game. I don't understand how he does it. He's got to be one of the biggest like basketball fans of a school who's not a basketball school, I know, if that sense made sense. But, yeah, um, I think Wake Forest might have something pretty good this year. Obviously, the ACC is very, very tough. You're going to drop some games. But I don't think NC State's like all that, and I think Wake's hot right now, so I'm going to go with the Deeks. Yeah, the Deeks did lose to
0: Virginia and Pitt this week, but – I do think they can bounce back versus NC State, especially since it being at home. And there have been a lot of fan support this year at the Joel, so I'm going with the Deeks. Moving on now to Omaha, Nebraska, it is Xavier at Creighton. Creighton was one of the teams people were talking about this year, and they've kind of slowed down a little bit. But nonetheless, Daniel, what you got?
1: Yeah, the Creighton Blue Jays just haven't really impressed me that much. They kind of remind me of St. Bonaventure last year. Mm. I know it's a weird comparison, but... I'll think on that a little more. But, um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Xavier.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Xavier, too, especially after they beat UConn last night. I think they can go into Nebraska, uh, to go into Omaha and take down the Blue Jays. Moving on to some more SEC Big 12 challenges. It's the Alabama Crimson Tide at Oklahoma. Auburn played Oklahoma last year in this challenge. Let's see what happens this year. Daniel, you got?
1: It would take all sorts of things going um, Oklahoma's way for this one to even be that close so i'm gonna have to go with alabama and i think alabama triple covers
0: Mm. whoa yeah i'm gonna go with alabama i think they're the best team in basketball right now it's between them and purdue and i feel like they have more pieces to make it farther than purdue since the big 12 uh the big 10 hasn't really done anything in the tournament since michigan made it back in like 2014 so, yeah, it's it it, kind of like what Charles Barkley said. It must just pains me to say Alabama's the best team in the nation right now, and I'm going to have to go with the Crimson Tide. Uh, Arkansas at Baylor. Baylor's had some a pretty good stretch of luck these past couple weeks. Arkansas, not so much. Daniel, you got?
1: Yeah, it's just the the common case of one team being um on fire and the other being ice cold, and the team that's on fire happens to be at home. So, with that being said, like I'm going to have to go with the Bears.
0: Yeah, I'm going with Baylor, too, especially with this one being at home. I mean, they beat Kansas at home. They can beat Arkansas at home, I think, so I'm going with Baylor. Our lone NBA pick, it's this, I believe, Saturday night. It's the Lakers at TD Garden facing the Celtics, so I think we'll be on TNT or ESPN? ABC. ABC. Daniel, I think I know who you got, but he got?
1: <laughs> I'm going to go with the Celtics, man. We have the Lakers number, so.
0: Yeah, I'm going with the Celtics, too, but. I think the Lakers might cover because I feel like they show out in these big primetime games that they're always on, I feel like.
1: Yeah, and you can never count LeBron out, but, yeah, it'll be tough for him.
0: And finally, this weekend in Morgantown, West Virginia, it is the Auburn Tigers traveling to face Bob Huggins and the West Virginia University Mountaineers. Daniel, who
1: you got? I can't remember the last time on this show, if ever I've picked against Auburn in hoops. But I'm gonna have to go with West Virginia after that showing and the things that Auburn struggled with um, last night. West Virginia is good at, so yeah, I just I think Bob Huggins is gonna have a field day.
0: I think it, me too. I'm joining you with you the first time we we've had a lot of firsts on this show this year. Um, first time picking against Auburn in basketball. I'm gonna go with West Virginia and reason being I looked at something like I think all of West Virginia players are over six three. Yeah, you can't teach size. I think that's going to cause a lot of problems, especially with Bob Huggins being – you don't get to that many wins without being able to adjust and kind of do things that make your team win. I mean, they have struggled this year, but then, again, they beat TCU. who's pretty stinking good this year at home. So that really worries me. So it's really coming down to a sizing, Not as much as Auburn's town thing, but I just feel like that's just going to be too much, I think. So, unfortunately, I'm going to go with the West Virginia Mountaineers. Sad day on the Eagle's Nest, but that is going to do it. We want to thank you all for listening. Missed any of today's show. Check it out on your favorite podcast platform after the show, if you feel so inclined. But we'll see you all next week. That's all for us today. For Daniel Locke, I'm Greg Splankinberg. This has been the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Thank you for listening, and War Eagle! Thank you for tuning in to The Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. and at TheGriggsB. Until next time, this has been The Eagle's Nest. See you next week.